Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. the toughest thing about being a superhero? Trying to live a normal life. Whether it's pumping up. Dinner with the family. Or seeing old friends. Hey, Lucian! Hey, Speedo! Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. You are one distracted guy. Hmm? I know you must be a hero. Hello, welcome to Rewatchability. It's the show where we rewatch movies and TV shows we haven't seen in a while and decide if they are watchagainable. Uh, no? <laughs> No, I screwed it up. Different, different title. I'm Jay McNabb, joined as always by Robert Larone and Blaine Waters. And we have a special guest joining us again is Fearless Fred Kennedy from uh, the Issue Zero podcast. Yeah, that's right. Antica. What, what? Yeah, he's <laughs> our Antica Hello. network sibling. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a really special episode for you about a, a beloved superhero movie. But before we get into that, I do want to quickly thank our sponsors, HelloFresh and Andy Mattress. And I also want to give a shout out to our Patreon donors who uh, donate a few bucks a month, help us keep the show going. You can find out more about it at patreon.com slash rewatchability. You get uh, the show early, get some bonus episodes, things like that. Uh, and like I said, it helps us out. You're our superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Big episode today. Yeah. Big one. An incredible. incredible. One. Oh, <laughs> we both went for it. Yeah, we both went for it. Incredibles. Well, yeah, we are talking about the Incredibles, the, the 2004 Pixar Disney Co-production, yeah. I guess. I, was this before they... Something like that. I can never figure that part out. It's a cartoon from uh, yeah. 2004. This is a bit different for us because it's a, a children's movie, but we weren't children when it came out. No, but we all saw it. Of yeah, course, it yeah. 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 But I feel like we're going to be uh, maybe seeing it from some different perspectives and interesting ones, I'd argue. But let's talk about when we first saw it. Um, Fred, you suggested this episode. I think I will say that it is in the top two or three superhero movies ever made, period. Wow. Like, it's one of my, not even, it's like one of my favorite movies. Have you seen Elektra? (laughs) (laughs) I've heard the soundtrack, and it's also amazing. (laughs) I said this on social media, I'm more excited to see the new Incredibles than I am any new Star Wars movie. That's it. Boom. I can't drop the mic because it's on a stand and it'd be loud. No, it's no. expensive probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. but the new Incredibles won't have any sentient hamster monsters flying nope. the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Sadly, no. But when did, when did you first see this movie, Fred? Well, last time you were on, we did Spider-Man and you talked about how your life was in disarray. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, at this, this was only like three years after this movie came out. Two or three years right, after. Right, yeah, yeah. Years, but I didn't see it in theaters. Uh, and honestly, when it came out, I was kind of like... You know, uh, you remember, you know how you stop reading comics when you're like in your late teens and then you come back to it and you're like early twenties, like five, six years later, but you're, you're so much more snooty than you ever were before. I was in that mode. So when it came into theaters, I was like, no, I'm not going to go see this kid's movie. And then I was at my buddy's place and they had just had a kid, their kid was like two or three years old or something. And they put it on for him. And I 
was spending like I just kept getting sucked in by it. And I was like, that movie's not that bad. And then I watched it again. And then when I had my own kids, that's when I got super into it. No. Yeah, yeah. So your kids like it. Oh, they love it. <laughs> they, yeah, they really like it. Well, we can get into that. Later okay, good. Yeah. Have it. you done the like Halloween thing? Yeah. My uh, last Halloween, my oldest was Dash. Oh, yeah, he was Dash. He's a big, he's a big fan of the Incredibles. So it's yeah. I thought you were gonna be like, yeah, my oldest was uh, that bureaucrat that uh, <laughs> yeah. helped Mister Incredible out of the jam. Yeah, he was, was the, the mole kid, man, yeah. the guy that yeah. was injured. You know, he's like, you didn't save my life, you ruined my death. Yeah. Yeah. That's who he was. He had a neck brace. It was amazing. Yeah, like Wallace Shawn's character. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Blaine, what about you? When did you first see this movie? I can't remember seeing it for the first time, but I remember watching it subsequent times. I think I had a thing like you, Fred, where like, I watched it um, and I didn't. Like I liked it, and I understood that it was like good for a kids' movie. Yeah. But then when I like what redoubled my efforts in like screenwriting and stuff, I I, I watched it. And I was like, this is a perfect screenplay. This yeah. Is so it's so beautiful. Uh, it's a great piece. So I loved it from from then on. Uh, but I hadn't watched it in a long, long while. So it was interesting to to watch it again. What about you, Rob? I think I showed it to a bunch of kids that I was teaching at a drama camp. No, okay, good. I'm glad you... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of kids I lured down into my basement. <laughs> Have some Jesus juice. <laughs> no, and, you know, it was like an end-of-the-week sort of treat. Like, we'd been rehearsing all week very hard, and so What the was kids, the play that you were rehearsing? Oh, it was an original piece. It was a vaudeville thing I wrote called Give My Regards to Vaudeville. <laughs> And it was a critical success, though commercially Broadway wasn't ready for it. <laughs> right, yeah. But, the, you know, everybody really loved it. And I really also found myself really enjoying it. This was before we were inundated with superhero movies. Yeah. And before, like, the Marvel and DC branded movies had really sort of taken over. Like, obviously, there was Batman. And I think there was probably a bad Superman at this point. But, and like, Spider-Man, like we mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But none of them were fun. You know, except yeah. Spider-Man. And also, I, I kind of like the superhero movies that sort of take the tropes of the superhero and use them in a different sort of way. Like, we've talked about Unbreakable, Unbreakable also well. featuring Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. So this movie, I really loved for being able to sort of, like, take that and examine it. But I hadn't rewatched it up until last night. You know, I mean, with all Pixar movies, you sort of expect them to be kind of fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they have a high bar with all their movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the 23 points of writing that they always have. Like they're the oh, the 22 chart. rules. Yeah. 22 rules, yeah. yeah. And they're good rules. Yeah, yeah. the 22nd rule is make a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be John Lasseter. Yeah. 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 What about you, JM? I saw this movie in the theater. I This isn't a great story, but I, I'm not a good napper. <laughs> I, I, I don't like taking naps because I feel so weird and out of it when I come out of it. And I, I distinctly remember that I had fallen asleep <laughs> and my friend like woke me up to pick me up to go see this movie and I so I kind of had to stumble out of bed and I first say that thought you fell asleep in the theater no no not at all. in <laughs> fact it was the opposite because yeah. I felt so shitty and weird after like waking up from this nap I was like I don't even want to go see a movie right now I feel so uh, disoriented and then as soon as the movie started it was like it slapped me in the face with with how great it was because I, I absolutely love this movie it made me feel like a kid again mm. maybe because i was in a theater full of children <laughs> and you were just taking a nap and i just yeah. taking a nap no i i absolutely love this movie it became a movie that i would watch from time to time so i've seen it lots and lots of times but it has been a number of years since i've actually sat down and and kind of focused on it. And I think, you know, like you show it to your kids, my, my kid's too young to see it, but I definitely was watching it sort of through the lens of, of a parent and seeing some things that I hadn't really thought about so much as when I saw it, you know, in my 20s. But we'll talk about that. As well. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's one scene that as a parent, like whenever it happens, it just, I got a very heated argument with another compo creator about it too. Oh, really? Like, Expo, like, it got to the point where one of our friends was you guys need to just back off of it. You're getting a little bit uppity about Whoa. that. So, yeah. <laughs> and that reminds me, we should, we should mention we're kind of doing this episode in conjunction with the Toronto Comic Convention Fan Expo and, and I guess just sort of fandom convention at this point. Yeah, right? it's a pop. It's, there's, I will say this, and of all the shows that I go to, like Emerald City is still very comic heavy and Fan Expo, they're very good to the local comic creators, like in the indie creators. Everybody's always going to find a reason to complain, but they make a very big effort to make sure that the comic section is very well. Yeah put together and they always have like a little pen with some hay for the kids to pet neil adams um, that's always a treat oh um, i inter i did a panel with him once i hosted a panel and i was in the middle of reading cryptonomicon by neil stevenson and when he came on stage i had neil stevenson in my head 
and I introduced him as Neil Stevenson, not Neil Adams. Dude, and you would have you would have thought that I just threw a puppy into the crowd and was like, eat the puppy. Because everyone got so insensitive. Like, I'm, and I kept trying to explain it, Jeez. and it's just, oh, oh what no. a joke. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I felt like so. Smoke bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sorry. It was so terrible. It was an awful experience. He's a very curmudgeonly fellow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Are you going this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a table in Artist Alley with a lot of the Chapter House creator guys. I think I'm right next to Jason Liu, who does Pitiful Human Lizard. I'm actually writing an issue of Pitiful Human Lizard, but let's talk about Incredible. (laughs) But if you're going to Fan Expo, uh, if you're a listener in Toronto, go see Fred. Yes, I'll be there. Okay, The Incredibles. Rob, do you want to run down what happens in The Incredibles? And remember that scene, because when it comes up in Rob's rundown, I want you to tell us. I'm throwing in. I'm getting in (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, it starts off like a sort of documentary about these superheroes, like talking heads. We see Mr. Incredible. We see Elastigirl. We see Frozone. It's like Errol Morris is directing this. Uh, just sort of talking about like their secret identities and what it's like to have a secret identity and whether they would like all give it up, you know, for mm-hmm. something else. Uh, and they wouldn't. But so it cuts to Mr. Incredible. He's like driving somewhere. He's wearing a tux and there's some crimes going down. So he looks at his watch and he's got time to help out. So he... Uh, yeah, and he's left his like uh, girlfriend or something. Like they're gonna meet later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he goes and stops this crime. He there's this other superhero that he flirts with, Elastic Girl. They have like mm-hmm. some good like banter. Yeah, you yeah. need to be more flexible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not good banter. <laughs> but right when this movie started, I like I remember the the animation being so much more complex than it is rewatching it now because we've come such a far away. Yeah, in well, I, yeah, like I think people forget like in the first. Toy Story and the second Toy Story was a bit uh, used it a little bit but like they couldn't do people yet yeah uh, they could hardly do hair like anything with strands yeah like, finite things like yeah. I think that's probably why they did toys because yeah. toys could kind of look artificial mm-hmm. it was originally it, just called people story drama it was like a big deal when they started doing you know movies yeah. Just, like I remember that being like a sort of a, a thing people were talking about with the Incredibles in terms of the Pixar canon. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not like they don't look realistic, it's still very complex. Yeah. So it has a Bruce the- Tim vibe. I always look at it at that classic Batman enemies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like but it's it's not as dark as that Bruce Tim style. It's I think it's a definite like evolution of that like the dynamic shapes of the people the bodies everything but when you're yeah. talking about bad animation like that opening scene with the cat in the tree yeah. you do see <laughs> you do see mm. that like it doesn't distract from it but like we're not it's, watching it with those eyes you know yeah yeah and while, and while we're talking about the Bruce Timness of it like the even just the idea of like it looks you know like the 50s or early 60s mm-hmm. but it's got computers and sort of mo- iPads at one point like that that kind of idea of this sort of lost in time element like that's straight out of Batman the animated series I feel like where everything looked like the 40s but For there sure. were computers and yeah that's something I quite like about it. Yeah. Well, so he, he has to like help all these people on his way. This lady asks him to get her cat out of a tree. And there's also this uh, bank robber, bomb voyage. But meanwhile, he's being pestered by this kid, Buddy, who's like the head of his fan club. And he sort of like put himself in a getup and uh, made himself Incredible Boy. And Mr. Incredible isn't having any of that. So he sort of like tries to like push the kid away. But uh, he ends up having to save his life. And it's a whole complicated thing. And the bad guy gets away. And he's got to get to this place on time. Because what is it? It's his wedding. And the (laughs) superhero that he was like sexually bantering with earlier was in fact his fiance and they're getting married. Mm -hmm. And though he was late and he's kind of in shit for it. So, but yeah, it's it's a good reveal. It's it's a beautiful sort of. Pixar movies are always good for those, you know, first 15 minutes having an emotional punch. Except for the ones yeah. where the wife is killed in the oh, first 15 minutes. Yeah, I know. I, I assumed yeah. she was going to be murdered by Bon Voyage. She was going to come back and that would give him a reason, motivation yeah. to... Yeah, to live in his house for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. Put out <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so what happens is they get married, but there's like a backlash against superheroes. So all the people that he saved on their way to his wedding basically are kind of pissed about it. Like there's one guy who he saved from falling off a building who was apparently trying to kill himself. Well, that that was like something that stuck out to me. Like I didn't remember how dark that is. Yeah. The, yeah. the beginning is... Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Incredible saving a guy from committing suicide. Yeah, you saved his life, but you ruined his death. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing, because he sues him partly because he was injured, yeah. but the kind of subtext that they don't go into that much is like, he didn't want to be saved. Yeah. Like, he wanted to die, 
and the superhero wouldn't let him have that. And that's, yeah, I that's a really it. dark premise for him. Well, if he really wanted to die, he still can. <laughs> Why did he have to go above? That's, like, if he really wanted to die, he wouldn't yeah, suit him. Yeah. He killed himself. Mr. Incredible <laughs> should have both saved his life and recommended him to some mental health services. Right. right. Yeah, have a have pamphlet cars. on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or also, like, the, he saves, like, a train of people and they all sue him. But anyway, so... Yeah, what, it's weird because I remember, like, Incredible, like, the 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 kerfuffle that that was putting all the superheroes in jeopardy and, ha- and, and starting off the entire movie. But it was like just what he did, what uh, Mr. Incredible did before he got to Incrediboy. Yeah. It's so, mostly uh, frivolous litigation. You know what it felt like to me? It was like, weird. it was like prophesizing the social media dog pile on somebody. One right. guy started a lawsuit and then everyone came out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now it would just be like a tweet. That yeah. would be enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, so as the sort of compromise, the government puts all the supers, the superheroes, into like a witness protection program. And they're not allowed to use their powers anymore, but they are allowed to, I guess, live. They don't round them up and exterminate them right. or something. Right. That's a different movie. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they sort of take this plot from uh, X-Men, right? Yeah. Like they bit. have a lot of that stuff. Well, it's also like kind of straight out of Watchmen. Yeah, right. Like I actually wrote about this like a long time ago that there's a lot of very similar beats to to Watchmen uh, from from the idea of the superheroes being uh, mm-hmm. kind of outlawed and living normal lives to the giant uh, nuclear octopus. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Mr. Like, Incredible kills that guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but also like the other thing is kind of the inciting incident is uh, former superheroes start disappearing. Mm-hmm. Like it's very similar, and I, I'm not saying that as a criticism necessarily because this movie's so different tonally, and I love this yeah. movie. But it is interesting to to see that that so much of it came from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Brad Bird said he had this idea for such a long while. Was working on this movie for years and years, like almost a decade before the technology caught up to what he wanted to do in the movie. So I'm sure. Like different things along the way must have informed him. That and comic also, came out in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he must have used that as well. Yeah. Well, so what happens is that the with like superheroes outlawed, all the superheroes have gone into like these mundane existences. Mister Incredible is doing the decidedly not heroic work of rejecting insurance claims. Yeah, I love him at his desk. He's like the biggest thing in the entire office, sitting yeah. at his tiny desk. Like, oh, yeah, I love the perspective. Yeah, on and that. he's like great. Uh, his voice, in particular, Craig T. Nelson, yeah. coach. Yeah. Oh, oh so, so I didn't know. I didn't know. The cast of that movie, like, is incredible. Like Holly Hunter and Craig T. Nelson, for sure. Couldn't more perfectly cast Brad Bird stepping in and doing Edna Mode's voice himself oh. because no one could do it the way he wanted it done. <laughs> so like, it, it's just yeah, the voicing is perfect. Yeah. yeah, but he like he tries to help people. Like he tries to help the little old lady where he can. But he's like you know, there's not much he can he's do. Kind of dead inside too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And like his whole family, like his family's grown. He has this kid Dash and another a daughter named Violet. They all have these superpowers, but they're not allowed to use them because if anybody finds out, there'll be trouble. I yeah. guess. And they're all sort of like bursting at the seams. Like for example, Dash. He wants to he wants to play sports, but they won't let him because he'll be really fucking good at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be too good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it'll arouse suspicions. And meanwhile, their daughter, she's like a moody teenager who wears her hair over her face. She and she like it. she feels like she can't be seen. Yeah. So she has like invisibility powers. Which is a perfect symbolic way you feel when you're a teenager. You don't feel like you don't matter. Like, that's everything about this movie is so good. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I'm and also another, <laughs> another great casting choice is Sarah Vowell. Yeah. The, the right. writer who, who does her voice and does it well. Good mm-hmm. voice. Yeah. Yeah, and the name and the namings are all like you know Dash and Violet is shrinking Violet and yeah. everything's very comic booky from the very start. Yeah, it feels yeah. like sort of authentic. I remember like in the eighties when things would try to emulate comic books and they would you'd have like a Power Man or a right. or a Bird Dude. Yeah, and it would always feel like <laughs> so Energy fake. Person. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. for this, like, I never had that feeling of inauthenticity. You know, and uh, it's like we're talking with the family aspect. It feels like. That's why I always talk about this being like the perfect Fantastic Four movie. I remember doing an interview with Lee Weeks, who was like was a long running artist with Marvel on the Fantastic Four, and I, I always thought the Fantastic Four is kind of hokey. Yeah, Fantastic Four. But I remember like saying, "What Wait, is, is with is that their car? That's the flying cars, <laughs> the Fantastic Four, oh. dude." Now you see, That's great. And, and so I ask, like, I'm like, "What is it with the Fantastic Four? And Lee Weeks stops and he just says, it's because there's no superhero story you can't tell. 
with that with that superhero family because it is a family. It's the mother, the father, the outcast, and the cool kid. And it's like every person can identify to one of those right. characters, you know. And and when you see that, like that's what I think makes the the movie so identifiable. Is it it sucks you in because. We all know that kid. We all knew a Dash. We all knew a Violet. Maybe we were a Dash or we were a Violet, but you're in, you know? For sure. Well, so Mr. Incredible has been sort of like hanging out with his old friend Frozone, Samuel L. Jackson, and listening to police scanners and doing a little bit of like superheroing on the side, you know, saving people from burning buildings and all of that. But I think he, does he get caught? They, they foil a bank robbery and then, or no, a... Uh, uh, a heist or something? There was a burning building. And they yeah. Go in, oh, they save go. everybody. Then the and cops it, come. Yeah, because they smash through a wall to get everybody out safe, into but they smash store. into a jewelry yeah. store. Right. And then Samuel Jackson's got that. Now we look like the bad guys. Yeah. Like, and so the cops come in and they narrowly get yeah. away and Mirage spots them as they're leaving. And right. That part where he's, because Frozo needs the water and the, yeah. air the ice. Oh, I like that. They explain that in the fire, which is so yeah. good, right? I, but I, then he's right. hydrated. Yeah. The thing where he's like going to get the water and the cop has his gun on him. Was that a reference to Die Hard 3? Because it reminded me of the part where he's like, I just need to pick up this phone. Yeah. yeah. And the cop's got his gun on him. And then this he's saying like, I just need water. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's I didn't get that. Samuel Jackson yeah. is in Die Hard 3? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, same guy. Connection, yeah. yeah. Same Samuel Jackson. <laughs> I think. That was Samuel H. Jackson. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so they're being followed by this woman, Mirage, and we don't really know what her deal is, but eventually Mr. Incredible gets fired by his boss, Wallace Shawn. Oh, you skipped over one of the best scenes. Which one? Where he comes home and she busts him and it's that like, like line. Yeah. You got, you're not even going to his fifth grade graduation. Oh, yeah. He's not graduating. and <laughs> It's, it's like, not even a thing. It's like they keep finding new ways to celebrate mediocrity. And that, I feel, is Brad Bird like lashing out at. Listen, <laughs> right. I'm all for like everybody being loved and everything. But we're getting to, I feel like we're getting to a point where even shitty things people do. We're supposed to just be like, that's just you. No, it's not. You're being shitty. And that's the way the world is like constantly going, you know? And that's him being like, no, there are bad things and you should be crapped on for doing dumb things. But people who are celebrated for doing great things, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it also sets this movie up so well because it's the it's the theme of the movie. Yeah. We you should know, be allowed to be incredible. We should be allowed to be our fullest selves. I, I didn't really think of it, but did you guys see Tomorrowland's? Yeah, another Brad Bird movie where I feel like that theme kind of went off the rails a little bit because yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like people should be exceptional. It's like, yeah, it's like they should have their own city where they live. Wait, well, wait, hold on. <laughs> There's a, th- did you guys ever see this? It's a Terry Gillen movie from the 80s. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Mm-hmm. Of course. That line, there's that scene where the guy who, you know, he captured all these enemy troops, destroyed all these cannons, charged through the line single-handedly, retook a whole part of the city, and when the governor finds him, he executes him because he's not setting a good example for the average people of the world. And I'm just like, that's how I feel like we we love to consume our heroes. Like, we're always waiting for them to screw up so we can destroy them, you know? Like... Elon Musk is one of those exceptional human beings. And if he does anything slightly off the rails, we're going to eat him. Like, and that's the way people are. It's, and I really, I, I it's the same with president Trump, you know, you guys aren't, Oh geez. I really put my foot in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I yeah, almost, see all opinions have equal weight. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I would love to talk to Brad Bird and cause that's a great little thing from Tomorrowland too. Like what happened to him? Like, does he feel like maybe like he was a like a hyper kid in school? He got like crapped on for it and was not like properly, you know, celebrated or something. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting <laughs> to find that the out. The psychology of they Brad only let me make movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he felt like a rat who just wanted to make gourmet meals. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I say that line though when I like with the they keep finding new ways to celebrate mediocrity. I use that constantly. <laughs> I was at a play school grad this year, so I threw that one around. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also like in that scene that they also thing I like is they set up this kind of like theme of like Mr. Incredible's midlife crisis. Yeah. And affair. It's like it's the whole thing is very much like he's having an affair. Like, and because, they set that up. He kind of is. He kind know? of is. Yeah. But they also like they have her finding rubble on his collar instead of lipstick. Yeah. Kind of I, lo- yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
Yeah, well, so Bob gets fired from his job for, like, actually helping people. This insurance company. (laughs) Also really hurting someone. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, yeah, he gets called into the office for helping people navigate the system and all the loopholes. And then Wallace Shawn is taking him down a peg. Yeah, well, uh, Wallace Shawn is dressing him down. He, like, notices that there's a mugging happening, and he feels compelled to go and help this person to stop this mugging. But Wallace Shawn won't let him, and so he just punches Wallace Shawn, the character that is animated using yeah. Wallace Shawn's voice into into a yeah. wall or See, something. And this is one of the best, like, the direction in this movie is so amazing because there's, he, uh, you see him punch the guy and then the guy goes through a wall and hits another wall and then the camera pans over and you see he's gone through six walls. And <laughs> those reveals all throughout the movie that... Or just uh, elevate this movie so much more than than the script is. Yeah, and even that that sequence where he's noticing the mugging, I think, is just yeah. so cinematic. The way his and, fingers crunch like that knuckle, yeah, he, he shakes. Yeah, and the the doorknob. Yeah, that's yeah, great. The other thing I wanted to mention is uh, we haven't really talked about his car in this movie. Like, I'd love someone to do like a supercut of like movie cars that are meant to be like like kind of dick jokes or like represent like <laughs> and this emasculating uh, right. yeah. life gay duo. Yeah. <laughs> no but like because you know oh, in, in the opening right. scene he's got this like rocket car yeah. he's driving around the city and then we cut to him now he's a family man and he's driving this tiny he can't even fit in this tiny it's little clown car. yeah yeah, yeah. That's the crisis of masculinity. Like yeah. there are big cars. I was just watching the movie Duel, and that right. whole movie is just like a dick measuring contest <laughs> between Dennis Weaver and this tiny little red car and this giant big rig that's trying to run him off the road. I love that movie too. Okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> um, well, so he gets fired, and instead of like telling his wife because. This movie sets up this really awful thing where where wives are just like angry at their husbands for you know no reason, yeah. um, but <laughs> I for going behind their back. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Her anger is justified because like he's like they've got their new life together, and she's like, I need, and she says the very first thing at that wedding, I need you to be more than Mister Incredible. It's yeah. true. But at the beginning of the movie, she says she wouldn't give up fighting crime for any man. But yeah, that's <laughs> true. But like they have, they were kind of all forced to. But it's she's like that she's giving up for the man. I always feel like horrible, like yeah. it's like we're all at that age where we're starting to get older, and like my wife is like she's super wife. Like we had kids. She's home. She's looking after the kids. She's she's keeping my life together. She's just everywhere she needs to be. And if I was to just suddenly be like, oh, man, I miss being single and cool. That's what I honestly feel like it's an allegory for is how guys just can't accept that we're not fucking cool anymore and we're getting old. And it's like he wants to constantly go back to that life. And it's like. Dude, there's a reason you're not. This is what matters now. Stop thinking about the past. It's pointless. Yeah. Like, move well, forward. And he's very reckless. And he's being disrespectful yeah. to her, you know? Absolutely. And, and I don't think we're supposed to side with him because, you know, it doesn't end well for him, this kind of path he's on yeah. to get to. Yeah. yeah. And, and and we set up that the, the end of the movie where he does become more than Mr. Incredible. He becomes like the, the dad he was supposed to be. Yeah. Right? And that's the whole trajectory. It's great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, after uh, we'll be back with more about the Incredibles after these messages. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're back. We're talking about The Incredibles. We've got Fred Kennedy here as a guest from the Issue Zero podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay, Rob, we're, <laughs> we're right in the middle of The Incredibles. What, what happens next? Mr. Incredible, he goes off to this island... Yeah, he gets hired by uh, this Mirage character to go to this island and fight this crazy robot, which has gone berserker. So he goes and does that. And, you know, it's like, 
it fucking makes him feel alive, man. Yeah, it's it's fun seeing him do what he does best too. It's he has so much fun doing it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. There's also a montage where he's just, like the the sort of crux of the montage is just how much sex he's having with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, he keeps trying to leave the house and she keeps wrapping her arms around him. Yeah. yeah. Like again, is surprisingly adult. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The rest yeah, of the you montage. gotta love yourself before you love everybody else. Now he loves himself again because he feels he is who he's supposed to be. That's yeah. true. He's like working out in the train yard, lifting whole like cabooses. Yeah. That scene, uh, yeah. I actually got, speaking of Fantastic Four analogy, I was like, I started thinking like, how strong is Mr. Inc- Remember the Marvel trading cards and they rated right. yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm like, how strong would he be on that scale? And I looked up, like, how strong is the thing? The thing can lift approximately, like, 50 to 100 tons. One of those train engines is over 220 tons. Holy shit. So that means that, like, Mr. Incredible is, like, more than twice as strong as the thing. <laughs> that's <laughs> incredible. That is incredible. You did the math on that. I, 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 that's incredible. <laughs> did you pull out your Marvel cards? No. I, 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 just, <laughs> I was, like, watching a movie with the kids. I think I was watching The Incredibles and, like, Googling stats about them while we watched Oh, it. man, I love those Marvel <laughs> cards because you could argue, like, oh, this person's more, like, stronger, but, like, this person has more endurance. Oh, no, so their they fighting abilities yeah. Seven. That's as high as it gets. <laughs> and Tony Stark might be drunk. So yeah, you got to consider that. Also, yeah. that that's in the addictions cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the addictions cards. Yeah, like DLC for cards. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they should have. And, you know, they should have, like, strength, dexterity, all that, and then, like, vices. Yeah, vices. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, so, eventually, like, his wife sort of finds out because she starts noticing things, rubble on the collar. Also, there's, like, a stitch in his super suit, and it could only be done by one person. Their costumer, Edna Mode, played, as you mentioned, by Brad Bird. Yeah. Voiced by him. And I think, like, that's one of, like, the breakout characters of the movie. Oh, like, yeah. I, like, I know she's based off, like, a famous Hollywood costume designer, mm-hmm. but, like, her character is, like, amazing. I th- yeah. And it goes back to that whole thing with Brad Bird wanting the exceptional people to be celebrated, like, in this. He's like, I should be in this movie. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, like, we're always talking about, like, I how. Morally. I can do all the voices. <laughs> I'm, I've been beaten. I'm I've been girl. victimized and, and uh, this and that and that and this. Whereas like Edna Moda is like the exact opposite. It's like mm-hmm. you never lose. You always win. You confront the problem. You win like that. Confront the problem. Win. You remind him who he is and you remind him who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just like it's like the super positive like take no prisoners, no holds barred. You will destroy all oncomers. <laughs> I love Edna Mode. Like she's. I, She's hilarious. If I could invent an app, it would be like an Edna Mode confidence building app. So that when you were like, so if you were Tony Stark, you'd have like instead of the the guy in the suit, you'd have Edna. Edna Mode, absolutely, she'd win. She'd she'd be winning. It's like you're going to win. On the uh, I busted out my DVDs of this movie, and on disc one, it's a picture of Mister Incredible. Disc two is a picture of Edna. (laughs) Like that's how popular this character was. Yeah, in university when this movie came out for me, we had a teacher who was very German, very straightforward, had the bob that Edna had and talked like Edna. Yeah. So the entire time we were in her class, we would just try to make her Edna. say things that Edna said. Yeah. It was, it was great. It's like, we can try to make her say darling. That'd be amazing. Yeah. It's also, I do love, you know, the kind of world building of, you know, what would our universe be like if there were superheroes in it? Mm-hmm. And the idea that, yeah, of course they're, Costumes would be designed by a designer, like yeah, a famous yeah. designer. Like I, it's I not like Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Tobey Maguire can't sew. Yeah. <laughs> Although he should be the Edda of that world. He's very good at yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> fighting crime. You can just do costumes for other people. Yeah. Also, Alfred, because Alfred's always making those <laughs> yeah. rubber nipple clad. <laughs> things. Oh yeah, and he's getting paid like a butler's salary. He yeah. should go into his own business. Yeah, yeah exactly. Nipple suits. In the comic Invincible, there's like a similar thing where. Like when the character sort of comes of age and his dad takes him, oh, time to get you your costume, buddy. And then they go and whenever there's like they do like a little bit of a visual retcon of the character, like he gets beat up and he goes to visit this guy and then he's got a new costume and then he's got a new costume in the series. And it's it's plausible. You know, it makes sense. It's very yeah world building. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. you rip a shirt. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they did with Daredevil, right? In yeah. The Netflix series, too. Yeah. What's the guy? Buzzsaw was the, is the guy's name. He's like, he's actually a villain or is it gladiator? Ah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So then what happens, Rob? This is the point where Mr. Incredible, he gets sort of invited to dinner 
at his mysterious benefactor's place. And we find out that it is Syndrome, who is actually the grown-up buddy, mm-hmm. incredible boy, who he previously spurned. And now he's sort of like come back and he's, you know, he's filled with all this rage and he's, he's come up with this like plan to send the Omni droids to this city and then um, sort of configure it so that it only, it only attacks him and then he'll defeat it really easily and then he'll look like a hero, yeah, like the he hero that he wants to his, be. And, and testing all the, and testing all of the droids on former superheroes. So yeah, that classic looking back on your youth of like, oh, that guy left, that guy left. All of those opportunities of like going back to that superhero life have been killed off one at yeah. a time yeah. by it's the like Omnidroids. It's like when you go on Facebook and realize that everyone you went to high school with has been killed by the Omnidroids. Absolutely. We've all been <laughs> yeah. there. No yeah. one was at my 20th reunion <laughs> yeah, because no. of that. But that's also, I don't remember exactly the, what was the reason why superheroes were disappearing in Watchmen? Why were they being killed uh, off? Yeah. Do you remember? I, I, I can't to. remember. But the idea that uh, it was the cancer. It was to like to eliminate any potential like problems of them uh, like causing problems in the future. Right. I haven't read The Watchmen. No, me time. neither. But I love the idea that the superheroes are disappearing and being killed off because they're testing these yeah. machines. Oh, and then yeah. Mr. Incredible's the last yeah. one because he was the best. He was the best, yeah. I, I love like, that. That must feel nice in a way. Yeah, it's flattering. <laughs> yeah. like, it wasn't ready for you, was it? Like, <laughs> I had to make up. But you're worth it after Take all. that, Captain Adam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gazer Beam, great name. Gazer Beam, yeah. 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 <laughs> and the villain's voiced by Jason Lee. He was uh, a pretty yeah. noted Scientologist. Here. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think, because, you know, volcanoes are like a big part of Scientology. That's like uh, one of the key images is on Dianetics. And oh, his yeah. character lives on a volcano island. Yeah. Oh. Maybe that was something he's just... Maybe he was trying to get some powers. In that volcano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel kind of bad for Jason Lee's character. He's just like, kid... He's like trying to be like a superhero. He's trying he to be Batman. He's yeah. trying to like have yeah, exactly. no powers. He he's invents these be, rocket boots, yeah. which seem to be working pretty okay. Like he's a fucking six-year-old kid. Like if you invent rocket boots, like that's a good sign. There's lots of potential there. <laughs> Mr. Incredible spurns him, rejects him, says, go home, kid. You know, I, I don't have time to look at you. I don't have time to like mentor you or anything like that. And he turns all of this into, you know, this hate and, and is transformed into this villain just because he doesn't get any like love or appreciation from his hero. Mankind's desire to destroy himself, he sows his own defeat. <laughs> well, yeah. That's the most poetic we've ever been on this show. <laughs> well, it's, it's also a great villain because the villain is essentially us, the audience, it's the fans yeah. of superheroes, so hey. we're, we kind of hey. can sympathize with them in a way. Right. Because yeah. we covet those powers as well. We want to be Mr. Incredible. You know what they yeah. say when everybody's Fun super, girl. no one will. <laughs> that's his best line oh, yeah, in the that's, movie. That's like, his big plan. Yeah, it's well, that's the, the opposite of the theme, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it, And it's it's funny because it's like that's what the the parents are almost like forcing that ideology on the kids in the movie. And uh-huh. then Jason Lee is like his plan, his syndrome is to do that. Everybody's going to be super, so no one will be. But is that so fucking bad? <laughs> I mean, that's like saying if, like, if, like, Steve Jobs had all the technology to make an iPhone, and then he just, like, held it up in front of all of us apes, and we're like, I'm a magician! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could give this to all of you, but it would make me lesser. (laughs) Well, it's, uh, you gotta wonder where it's going. I mean, he's just trying to get rich. Inevitably. Well, of course. Inevitably, you have to... Just know who's he's going to do bad things. And there was a there's an article someone else wrote on Cracked about how the plot of Iron Man three is basically is, an incredible. Yeah, it's like right, for sure. It's like point by point by point by point. Like yeah. almost Simon Hammer is exactly what Buddy was. You know, is that guy Pierce's character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's the same Wait, thing. That? Oh, it was Iron Man two, wasn't it? No, Iron three. Man three. All right. Yeah. So your buddy is your uh, Shane Black. I know. Uh, I was trying to make it Iron Man. <laughs> he too, just, just watched so. The Incredibles <laughs> and added some F word. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brad Bird took from Watchmen, so it's a, it's a long ladder of stealing. Yeah, it's yeah. like folk music. It's just like this oral history of superheroes. Everything's story. a remix, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, everything's a remix. Well, I mean that's sort of true, especially with when they're playing with like tropes like this. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And this is more like a comment on superheroes and superhero movies than anything. And and in a lot of ways. 
like the structure of it and sort of Brad Bird has said that he was sort of more nodding to like spy movies yeah. and 007 sort of stuff was, you can even hear it in the music yeah. in Michael Giacchino's score and the, yeah. the big like complex and the oh the island James Bond the little yeah the Q characters Ed and Moe that's, and this, that's great this was Michael Giacchino's sort of big break I think this is his first movie was I was this before he did Lost. <laughs> uh, I know it was probably around the same time. Oh, okay, but actually, I just listened to he was on Leonard Malton's podcast, and uh, as exciting a sentence as that is, <laughs> but I, no, I like his podcast. I was listening to him on it, and this was his big break. I think it may have even been that they had another score that they weren't happy with. Mm-hmm. I love and the they big brass in sections in it. Yeah. Like that's what makes it really just. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love brass. Well, so exciting. Very yeah. early sixties, which yeah. fits with like the look of the movie. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I, again, like watching it from the perspective of being a bit older as opposed to like a jaded early 20 something and being a dad now, like it, moments like where Mr. Incredible's locked up and he thinks that his wife and kids have been killed in the plane oh, crash that's it right there. Yeah. It's like that whole scene. It get, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. Like <laughs> and that's in the scene the, you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. Oh, that's what you're saying. Okay, yeah. yeah. I had an argument with a comic creator because he said the biggest flaw of this movie is that Mr. Incredible doesn't end up having consequences for his actions. And this is where... Like, and I, I hate it when people, as a parent, like, <laughs> go that's yourself. what I just said a second ago. Yeah, I know. Like, no, like, <laughs> you're not saying it like in a condescending, well, I know better because I'm a parent. It's like, no, it's just... Like, you have different observations as you go through life. And that scene where Holly Hunter is flying the plane and she's like, there's missiles coming. There's missiles coming. Like, she's so focused on, like, her children. And I I get that now. I never would have – you can't fake it. You just know it because you're you're, – I have kids. What would I do? And you can hear the desperation in her voice and you can go back and then they're back in. And he's like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And when the missiles are coming and she knows they're going to die, the last thing she does is try to save her kid's life. And to me, that is the most beautiful scene. Like, it's one of the greatest scenes in movie history because there's we're going to die. I'm going to sacrifice myself to save my kids right here. And then Mr. Incredible spends like a day and a half thinking his wife and his kids have died. And it's because of him. Mm-hmm. It's because his own hubris and his own idiocy. And when I and I was explaining to him, like, dude, if you don't think that's suffering and consequence, then you're an idiot. And I got like really uppity because it suddenly became this personal thing to me where it was like he was questioning me whether if my wife and kids died, would that not be horrible? And I was like, you have no idea. What, like, like just even, and I can see it in your eyes, just thinking about tearing up. It. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so hard. Like that's, you want to talk dark. That yeah. is some dark shit. Like your wife and kids died yeah. and it's your fault. I can't even like think of a, a scene in a movie like this exactly. that has something as heavy. Like it's, it's like a bond movie totally. where he's chained up like that, but there's net you know, like bond doesn't have a wife and kids, you know, at least one, not one he sees, but, <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, the emotional weight totally. of that moment is kind of beyond any movie of the genre the, I can think of. The Kingsman, which isn't really a superhero movie. I mean, I would put it in a superhero category. Yeah, like and it was this, a comic. Yeah, yeah, and The Kingsman did it another, like, as in, the only other movie that I can think did it this well was when the scene where all the phones go off and all of humanity around the world starts going crazy trying to murder each other. The main character, Etsy, tells his mom, put the baby in the bathroom, lock the door, and slide the key under the door. And so the baby is sitting in the bathroom, locked in there by herself, and there's a stroller, and she's in the stroller, and the mom is starting to go crazy, and she starts trying to get into the bathroom to murder a baby, <laughs> and you're watching it, and That's like, it's stick. funny, That's like I, because like yeah. I got the, what's the name of the director who did that? Uh, Matthew Vaughn. Uh, Matthew Vaughn. Well, I interviewed him about it, and he was, and he said he goes, we had, he goes, they threw that in after the movie because he had it in a script and they're like, no, we don't need it. You know, we've got this massive, like, everybody in the world is killing everybody. But it needs to be personal. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to be like, like, it was a goes, studio note. Like, it needs to be personal. <laughs> like, and he said, he goes, I knew as, a, like, I'm watching it, we're so used to seeing violence. But, th- so there's no context to all these people dying. But that baby, 
the one baby that we've seen the main character love since the beginning, if we can put that baby in danger, then everybody's going to care. And I, like, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, the baby, the baby. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, those two scenes, like, that to me is the best scene in the whole movie. Like, that plane oh, yeah, it gets me going. It also does so much, too. Yeah. Uh, it does so much heavy lifting in terms of plot and character because you have Vi who can't make the bubble, her, her protective bubble, yeah, big she's, enough. Yeah. And then she, you know, that's her journey. She gets to do that later in the movie. And then uh, and then you have, uh, what's uh, Mysterio? What's her name? Uh, Mirage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mysterio. <laughs> uh, different guy. Uh, different guy. Uh, <laughs> Mirage. And she's, this is when she, like, her, her first crack in, yeah. in her armor kind of thing. It's like, oh, you, like... You used me like yeah. showing defending life isn't weakness and yeah, like exactly. it's oh like that's when the movie really gets going. Yeah, and the other sure. thing about that plane scene, I'm still not done with this. Is <laughs> that's great about it is one. It's also kind of be about like as a parent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's great about it is also about it's about parents realizing that they were shitty parents. Yeah. Because part of it's also like. Violet can't make that bubble and Holly Hunter kind of realizes like oh I should have been nurturing this yeah. power and I haven't been and then what's also great is the moment when she saves them and makes herself into a parachute yeah. that's really the first time her kids have even seen her her powers activating on that level yeah right. like, she's like use her arm stretch to stop them from fighting yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah exactly and the like she went and it's true like I got no, I got no fucking clue what I'm doing with my kids. I'm making it all up yeah. as I go along, like every fucking day. I, I have no idea, and so it's just it's so humanizing that you see these superheroes, and then it's a great observation with their, their kids finally realize, and they're like that that what I love. They hit the water and. Both the kids are like, where's dad? Where's dad? And the mom's like, boom, get your shit together. Like, we're not going to die. We're going to do this. We're going to deal with this. That's where the missile came from. That's where we go. And all of a sudden, the kid's like, oh, shit, our parents, she knows what she's doing. And then when they get to the island and the kids are being chased and they're basically just trying to get away from these bad guys. And then mom and dad show up and just beat the shit out of all the bad guys. And the kids are like, oh, God, our parents can really handle themselves. Like, it's funny that then that's like when you grow up and you realize did you, did you ever go drinking with your dad when you turned like 18 or 17 in your teenage years? Me, no. Like, no, I remember I, I went drinking with my dad and a few of the guys he was in the military with. And then they started telling me stories about shit that my dad did. And it was like, it, they stopped being just stories. And I'm like, that's my fucking dad. Like, And so I can relate to that scene where they see their parents just, that scene is great, like, when he grabs the like flying machine, just throws it straight up yeah. at another one. Yeah. It's awesome. Sorry, I'm going off, no, no, off no. again. It's, it's, it's also fun because the kids get to fully express themselves yeah. for the first yeah. time. And Dash starts yeah. having fun. He can run on water, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can yeah. do this." And uh, there's a lot of great animation for like little looks that these characters do the, as they realize they can do more and more. Yeah, yeah it's very joyful when they reach their potential. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and it, it's all about you know you, you shouldn't not give your kids the best of yourselves. Yeah, like, yeah. They've been. Yeah, like because they gave the kids these powers, and they've been so reluctant to to sort of foster that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. The the moralist movies, like, yeah, d- don't don't be a reckless dick. Just if you want to do something, bring your wife and kids. Yeah. <laughs> you can still go on outings. And like when you're talking about that, like the the voice acting between Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter, like all the way through, like that scene where they're running through the woods and. He's just happy she's alive and she's still like coming down and she's like, I don't give a shit. Like our, we're all in danger. And he's like, well, we'll, we'll deal with it. I'm just happy you're all alive. And I can imagine like, like my, the situation in my household, my wife would be mad and I would be just happy. Like, you're alive. You're, we can do something with this. I'll save you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and also I'm, a lot of comedy comes out of it. Yeah. It's, so, like, it's such a great scene. The, yeah. the, they're just, they're so tight with the dialogue. And when they get back to the city, and they're arguing while driving the little RV about which exit do we take to get downtown. It's like, it's so juxtaposed with real life and the superhero stuff. And it's, I think they were just fantastic in those worlds. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the yeah. Om- Omnidroid comes. Well, they, yeah, they, they like they beat it, and then um, there's this bit where they think it's sort of over, and they're going back home in the limo, and the mom is like checking the messages on the phone oh, from yeah. the babysitter. And they're getting like increasingly panicked. 
And then suddenly it seems like it's okay because there's a replacement babysitter. But they didn't know what a replacement babysitter. So they go back there and it's Syndrome with the baby. And Syndrome like flies up in the air with it, you know, away with it. And it starts manifesting its powers and like turning into flame or turning into like a devil thing or turning into like solid solid steel. Yeah. And then It's like uh, the opposite of Kingsman. It's yeah. a baby <laughs> trying to kill someone else. Shut your rooting for the baby. Yeah, yeah. Want the baby to win. <laughs> <laughs> I would root for a baby murdering anybody. Yeah, it's yeah. impressive. And what? Yeah, why hasn't that been a movie yet? That's I great. didn't even think <laughs> about this baby. at all until you brought up the phallic car thing. It's like to take out syndrome after the baby's okay. He takes the car that he had bought with the money that Syndrome had gave him. His penis. Yeah. Yes, and he throws it at the oh, at the yeah. big enemy ship, and so. Like what you're saying about like he's throwing away that fake masculinity mm. that he wanted he had it absolutely he realized he didn't need it it's, I and didn't it's even the, think it's, about the yeah. symbolism there it's the it's also the syndrome paid for which I didn't yeah. think about. it's the same as like Holly's watch in Die Hard when yeah. they have to unclasp the watch so oh, so yeah. Hans Gruber will fall yeah, yeah same kind of thing I, I hadn't thought of that that's great yeah yeah we got to get that in there it's <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty good and oh and the other thing is one of my favorite things to see in movies in scripts is when like there's a joke early in the movie and that joke was actually kind of shoehorning or establishing something that will be a, a payoff later on. Like, I'm thinking of the cape thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious sequence where Edna doesn't want to do capes. And then it comes back in the end with syndrome and like, I don't know well, the first time I saw it, I never even thought about that when I saw him with the cape for the yeah. first time, mm-hmm. but it's so perfect. Yeah. He gets sucked into the turbine. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all because he's not a part. He was never allowed to be a part of the superhero world. I know like he was. Right. And that's, that's his downfall is that he was just not, a, not allowed to be a member, which yeah. is kind of, I don't know. I really do. feel Well, like here's, syndrome. I do. I do. But like, I always have this, this like mentality, like, if you're victimized, don't start victimizing other people to make yourself feel better. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. Like, you can say that he wanted to give this technology to the world, but he wanted them to buy it so he could be the superhero. Like, and then how many thousands of civilians was he going to kill with his giant robot walking around? How many superheroes did he murder out of just jealousy that he wanted to be in their little club? Yeah, that's not cool. Not cool at all. <laughs> all Scientology labor camps. Yeah. Those are, yeah. yeah. Well, he, Allegedly. <laughs> we've all seen Coming Clean or whatever it is. Going Clear or whatever. It's all but Coming Clean should be the yeah. second in the installment. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I don't know, but there is like sort of like an outsider sort of thing about it. Like he wasn't allowed to be included or some people yeah. are just naturally better. And like I think in this movie it plays it in the context of superheroes it's sort of like fine. Like yeah, superheroes should be allowed to be themselves and you know, they shouldn't have to like if you have exceptional talents or skills, you shouldn't have to like tamper them down to uh, to not make other people uncomfortable. Fit in. Fit in. Yeah. I think, yeah, fitting yeah. in being the outsider. But well, I feel yeah, like the other yeah. side of this is like, it sort of like leads down a slippery slope to like, oh, I'm just better than people. There's the like, Ubermensch. Because yeah, yeah. You know, well, that, yeah, I that, was yeah. born with privilege. I'm white. I'm moneyed. I'm able right. you know. Like I was born as a superpower. And I was, yeah. Exactly yeah. Same that thing. was the problem with the people had with Tomorrowland. I'm not surprised. Yeah. People thought that was very, this like Ayn Randian idea of exceptionalism that, yeah, it was, it was just about like special people should have their own special place away from the rest of us dum-dums. That's what I sort of feel about this movie. And watching it again, like I was kind of really disappointed in that right. because I like, you know, I think it's, it's fine for like the thing, but it's like the broader sort of like social message of the movie. Stuff you can interpolate from it. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I think people are special in different ways. And I don't mean to be like, you know, like cheesy or anything like that. But, you know, people have different skills. You know, maybe some people are good at stopping crime. Maybe some people are good at making birthday cards. You know, those are all skills that we should embrace. We shouldn't just say that, like, some people yeah. are good and some people are just fucking awful normal people. Well, yeah. Right. And also because it is specifically uh, like a genetic thing. Superheroes yeah. are genetically special and syndrome was only special 
through tech. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you're saying, it is a slippery slope when we start to being like, these people are genetically better. I, I, can, <laughs> see, I can see what you're saying, like, with, with you're really leaning into, like, Aryan philosophies here. Uh, but I'm like, not leaning out of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's like. I'm leaning out of them. Uh, <laughs> it's hard because this is also one of your favorite movies, right? No, but, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's oh. like, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible. not calling you <laughs> a Nazi. No, no, and I'm not calling you. No, yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's just. Like, cause, I feel like. Um, I really feel like it's about trying to put square pegs into round holes. And it's like, everybody is supposed to be this. Some people aren't that. Some people need to just be themselves and be who they are. Yeah. Like, I think, I, I, and I think there's two ways you can take it, which is why people argue about things on the internet. But it's like, <laughs> there's like, there's people that are, that can do great things, but they're always pushed away from doing that. Like how many kids out there right now, there's a kid out there that just loves being on his computer or her computer. And she's like writing these amazing programs and her parents don't get it because her parents want her to be like them. Oh. They want her to like go out and play sports. No, my daughter's not going to sit in the house on a computer all day. That kid could grow up and create some sort of like program that could help cure a disease right. or could change the way that the world works. But we don't see what they could be. We just say, you need to be this. And I feel that's the message that I took from it. There's mm-hmm. exceptional people, but we keep pushing them away from what they're gravitating towards, you know? Right. Yeah, would, and, and it gets that way in the end with the, yeah. the uh, dash racing. Everyone is like, no, get second, you know, like, yeah. don't, don't go yeah. too far. Right. Well, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, at the end of the movie, they don't even, like, solve their, like, problem. They still have to, like, keep their powers under under wraps. But, but they get that to use problem them. is the family. Them. Like, yeah. I think that the, the thing is, is... There's that great line, and he says, he goes, you are my greatest adventure. And then the daughter's like, we get it, Dad. Like, we get it. But, <laughs> and that's true, too, because, like, I know that one day my kids are going to be older, and I'm going to be drinking and have this great philosophical moment, and my kids are going to look at me, shut up, Dad. But for me, it'll change everything, and I really feel like his character, he, like... That's the thing is like remember at the beginning he didn't even bother going didn't want to go to any of their kids events yeah because he 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 like hated everything about his life so much and all he could see was Wednesday bowling night going to fight crime secretly but then he goes to like a little kids track meet not even to see his kid win but to see his kid take second place I didn't even yeah. thought of that but yeah yeah, yeah that's, it's like it's totally graduation thing. yeah, yeah like yeah. It, it it he becomes a family like. I feel like they're together, and then at the end, when it shows the family all together, they're all incredible as a family. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is the story of a midlife crisis. Yeah, uh, of a, and then the guy has to think that his family was horribly murdered yeah. to realize how much that they matter. Yeah, yeah to and him. they're not so bad after all. Because you got to think that he's got this like this. He ignores. He runs away from his family to go break the law with his buddy Frozone. And then all of a sudden, now your family's gone, bud. And it's like you didn't even take – and he's got to be thinking all the things I could have done. And then he gets a chance to do them again. Like I, I – it's just I really couldn't even imagine how horrible that would be. Like to think that because of your own stupidity, you lost everything, you know? Yeah. He's got no job. He's got no kids. He can't go back to being a superhero. And now he's going to die on this island watching the world get destroyed because he fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Well, been there. <laughs> <laughs> that was <Yeah>. yesterday. <laughs> when I pulled myself back together, I'm here this morning. Uh, we should probably start wrapping up, but I do want to mention, uh, I didn't have the time to do a lot of research about this movie, but there is a funny uh, alternate opening for the film that's, uh-huh. uh, that's on the DVD, where uh, I think maybe in this version they didn't have all the kids. I think they just had one kid. But anyways, they, they like move into the new neighborhood and they go to a barbecue and Mr. Incredible is cutting meat or something and he accidentally puts the knife down over all of his fingers so that it looks like he uh, cut his fingers off. But of course, the, it actually bent the blade yeah. because he's Mr. Incredible. But he has to hide the fact that he's Mr. Incredible. So he uh, pretends to be in pain and he douses his hand with ketchup. So it looks like this sort of oozing bloody wound and everyone at the barbecue is horrified. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that sounds like a that. little bit over the top. I can see why they made the proper directorial yeah. choice. <laughs> but that's on YouTube if people want to see it. It's, uh, it's, it's an alarming way to begin a Pixar movie. Yeah. But that was kind of their jam for a while, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and it, 
does get really dark. It, yeah. it, is, it yeah. is like a bunch of people die. Yeah, we keep on talking about on this podcast like kids' movies now really pull punches and like they were really scary when we were kids. Yeah, and but this movie does get into some dark territory for a kids' movie. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, I, I like that about that's it. Pixar's thing. Yeah, <laughs> like they almost killed off all the Toy Story toys. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Oh yeah, I yeah, I know. That's what yet. I was thinking of when you talked about that moment in the plane. I was like, the only other thing that made me feel about that was like Toy Story 3 where they were going down the conveyor belt yeah. to the ovens. Yeah. I mean, whatever it was. That's yeah. what they were doing. Yeah. And they all held hands. Yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a video on, on YouTube of a guy showing his wife that movie, but it just ends there. Just <laughs> <laughs> edit it, so, so it ends there. She's like, all, they all died. He's like, yeah, they all they all died. The the yeah. There was <laughs> so a, horrible. I was like doing some work at a school. I was in like a a grade one classroom, and uh, they were doing like a unit on uh, recycling or something. And the, the teachers were like, "Who knows what happens to uh, garbage when you throw it out?" And like everyone in the class put up their hands, and they called on one kid, and they're like, "They uh, they burn it in these like giant fires." So, like, okay. Is, does anyone have an answer that they didn't arrive at because they saw Toy Story 3 and, like, everyone put their hands yeah, down? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was big it's education. Okay, so I think I know where we're all going with this, but, Rob, did you think it was rewatchable? Yeah, but I didn't think it was as rewatchable as I thought it would oh. be. And I, honestly, like, the philosophical underpinnings of this movie kind of ruin it for me because I kind of think... Brad Bird might be full of shit. Like, <laughs> oh. I think, maybe, like, if that's his, like, like we've seen that sort of philosophy in World of Tomorrow in this Tomorrowland, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> World of Tomorrow is the Don Hertzfeld <laughs> short. Oh yeah, well that is brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, if, 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 as a movie, like, it made me, made me made me think like the, it was a conservative ideology that I didn't really like go in with and that sort of like turned me off of uh, I wonder if Iron Giant hits it too that's Brad Bird you know what I watched Iron Giant a few years ago and I didn't love it like I don't oh, love it I the love way that, that other movie. people seem oh, to God. I don't know for some reason well, he, we'll do that on a yeah. That, that should be an episode. It's so good. But I think there is still like a lot to love about this movie and like the superhero stuff is really good. I think maybe now that there's a lot of superhero movies, it maybe doesn't have the same impact. But yeah, it's really it's a rewatchable movie for sure. Did you ever look up why they wrote the book The Iron Giant? Why mm, what's his face no. wrote it? Oh man, it's sad. We'll talk about it on that when we do that show. Fred, what about you? Oh, I think I know where this is yeah, going. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I I, I haven't I, I never put the like uh Ayn Rand, uh, Atlas Shrugged esque philosophy on it before. Yeah, that's why I said, like, thanks for I mean, painting it. You can still like Rush albums, too. <laughs> yeah, we're sorry for doing that. Yeah, I, yeah that I, sucks. I, I do. I, I still like it. I like it a lot. I'll choose to see uh, the glass being half full on this yeah. one. I really like it. Yeah. Well, Blaine, what about you? I, th- I think just even for like just as a. Everything is so good on it, but from a writing perspective, it's so great. There are little moments that are like short films into themselves, like when Mr. Incredible is is fighting the the uh, machine for the first time and he hurts his back because he's like so oh, old yeah. and out of shape, uh, and that's his like flaw in that scene. And then when the thing grabs him and stretches him out and and it uh, puts his back back into position, his flaw becomes his like strength. And it's just like such great writing and like little moments too. I think it's a, yeah, it's a phenomenal movie. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's a lot of like craziness that you can take from it and that you can put onto it. And, you know, it probably does talk about like the problems with superheroes a little bit more than even like the new Superman movie and stuff like that. But, oh, which is why I think it's even, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great movie. I think it's rewatchable. Jam. Yeah. No, I, I love this movie. I, I know what you mean, Rob. And I, I don't know if I would think about it as much if I hadn't seen Tomorrowland, hmm. but I think, I think like you're saying, I think it's a metaphor. I think it's about, yeah, people should be their best selves if they have good motives. And if you're like syndrome and your motives are to, uh, to make money or to sort of, you know, I mean, his whole thing was just about sort of furthering himself, making yeah. himself look good. Yeah. I would and, argue that's the same thing as Mr. Incredible. Like, yeah, he saves people, but he's not doing it necessarily for those people. He's really doing it totally. for himself. And that's you know, for growth, his own you know? gratification. I, I yeah, don't because, know. Because the family man, yeah, he's doing it for his family after, yeah. after that. But is- also like the scene with, uh, with Wallace Shawn, 
where he's about to fire him, where he sees the mugging, he gets really mad because he couldn't stop that mugger. And then he yeah. commits an act of violence. <laughs> he punches a guy through six walls. Is that worse than somebody losing 25 bucks in their social security card? I would have put that guy through seven walls. He really, he really, I, can't, I physically can't because I'm yeah. not my best but self. Also, but also, that's what's so great about this movie is that the villain isn't too far removed from the hero. They just go about it different ways. Well, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. good like comic book villains are yeah. like a reflection of their arch nemesis. Yeah, and exactly. nemesis. Especially I, Mirror Man. When yeah. you mentioned like the new Superman movies and stuff, I like I think it's what's great about this movie is it is a movie about how much of a bummer being a superhero can be. It's it's complicated, it's layered, there's a lot of emotion to it, but it's still really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's uh yeah, I think it's a great movie. Okay, that's it for this week. Fred, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, uh, man. What's going on on the Issue Zero podcast? Uh, we're going to have Jason Liu on. I thought you were going to say Jason Lee. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have Jason Liu on. We're going to be he's talking about uh, the pitiful human lizard and the things that he's done with that comic that is Toronto-centric. And uh, this week, we just had Adam Gorham on, who's like, uh, he's really rising through the ranks uh, with Marvel right now, just doing a, some work with Black Panther and uh, with Rocket Raccoon. So we talked to him about all that stuff. So, yeah, there's been a lot of comic book creator stuff lately oh fantastic yeah, awesome. where can people find you on uh, on the internet i'm just look for me on twitter at issue zero pod yeah okay fantastic thank you so much for listening as always you can find our podcast on twitter at rewatchability facebook.com slash rewatchability rewatchability.com has the back catalog of episodes and if you go on itunes you can subscribe and rate us out of five stars that always helps yeah and of course patreon throw us a few bucks it could just be your superpower <laughs> donating money is a superpower yeah why not I feel like it was fated to do this movie because our, our the computer that records us is named Edna oh I just noticed that right now that's weird it is weird and it doesn't have a cape <laughs> <laughs>